Restaurant Unstoppable episode 586 with Jody Bailey Newman. We owe it to ourselves as people who support local small business to band together and to take care of each other. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Here is a statistic for you. 89% of all guests will research a restaurant online before dining out. So you've got to start thinking about how you can extend your in-house hospitality and attention to detail to the online world. Bento Box is a great place to start. They will develop a restaurant website that not only leaves lasting impressions with your guests, but also provides hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online and guests into your restaurant. Sign up today at Get bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. Everybody loves payday. Am I right? But loving your payroll provider, that's a different story. It's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, and who knows, you might even fall in love. To learn more, head over to gusto.com slash unstoppable, and when you run your first payroll you'll get your first three months free again that's gusto.com slash unstoppable i'm sure you've heard of revel but have you heard of the revel advantage it is the payment processing solution that seamlessly integrates into your revel point of sale and platform to create a complete system tailored to your business needs. Rebel manages both your POS and your payments with integrated software, hardware, and credit card processing to save you time and money so you can focus on your business. Learn more at rebelsystems.com slash unstoppable. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jody Bailey Newman. My girl, Jody, Yikes. are you feeling unstoppable today? Yeah, I mean, normally I feel very unstoppable. You'll learn this about me. I'm a huge San Antonio Spurs fan. And I also believe bad things happen in threes. Ooh, interesting. So this week, two pairs of my favorite jeans, the zipper broke. Do good things offset bad things? Yeah. Well, I should have known. Can we say this will put you back to one thing? Is this a good thing? Yeah, this is a good thing. Well, then, you know, the Spurs, they lost to OKC after beating them big time. And then today a news story came out. Popovich may not be our coach next year. So, are so we I, at- I feel unstoppable. Okay. Well, that's all I want to know. And it, that's, that's all that matters. So I can't wait to dive into your story. But let me give the <laughs> listeners an idea of who we're talking to. I think they already have an idea of who we're talking to. A former audio engineer, radio personality, and insurance claims adjuster Jody Bailey Newman took a stab at the food and beverage industry with husband Steve Newman in 2009 with their unique concept, The Friendly Spot. Ten years later, Jody is a leading craft beer entrepreneur, chief friend behind The Friendly Spot Ice House, a B&D Ice House Hill, 
in Dale's Ice House. In addition, Jody often mentors future small business owners and female business owners through Launch SA and as an SA 2020 ambassador. She's leaning into the mic. I know she wants to say something, you, or is that just a tilt of the head? No, I'm good. Okay, you're yeah. good. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, so I can't wait to dive in, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Have faith, dive in. Mm. I really think that there are just some of us that, I don't know, we're just more risk adverse than the average person. Mm -hmm. We can take 10 risks. We can fail at a couple of them or maybe more in my case. And, but look at the advancement of the other risks we took as like changing the trajectory of our lives. And that is what makes us do it again and again and yeah. again. And that's the hardest you know? part is just taking the risk and starting, right? And that the yeah. nerve to, to, to get to get started yeah. is the toughest part. But once you build that momentum, it just keeps on building. You just got to yeah. get it to the edge of the hill and then kind of gravity does the rest. Well, um, and I always know the one thing I can count on is me. Like I, I know, like I'll tell you exactly what I do. I just know there are not a lot of people willing to do it. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I have done some crazy shit to get to this point. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's really, I think, you know, it does yeah. take crazy shit yeah. to, to do anything that's worth doing. And I think a lot of people are afraid of the crazy shit. Are, yeah. am I going to lose my shit when I get into the crazy shit? Right. Yeah. You probably are. <laughs> you will. But also at the same time, like it, it all evens out because the crazy shit with the crazy shit comes the great shit. Yeah. And it, it, it equalizes, right? There's a, a, a I, yeah, level of I think stability. It does. Yeah. I, I think, I think it does. And, and I think, you know, as long as you do a lot of listening, you learn from other people. There are a lot of people that are willing to tell you what they have done wrong. And then you just need to believe them oh, man. and not do it that way. Oh, man, I love it. That's the whole purpose of this podcast. <laughs> You're like feeding right into the mission. We're here to listen to you. I cannot wait to get into your story. So where does it make sense to start? Because you um, you didn't really did you have restaurant experience prior to opening this spot, the friendly spot? No, I mean, uh, no. The, the answer is absolutely yeah. not, no. Which is kind of unique. Uh, so yeah. Uh, anything that led up uh, prior to this that you think helped set you up for success that's worth diving into before we start talking about the vision and how you guys pulled it off? Yeah, I think, you know, so that my only real food and beverage job ever was as a mercy cart driver on a golf course. Okay in between like years of college. Um, and then fast forward, I was in several industries that were hit by, you know, like automation, like, you know, radio, uh, when I worked at TV station, the automation was taking over corporate ownership was taking over. So people were working really, really hard and making less and less. Mm. I feel like I saw that. I was always a person, well, actually, to this day, I am still a person. I have no idea what I'm going to do tomorrow. Right? Like, I didn't <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know, like, what college I wanted to go to. I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I didn't know. I Like, I knew none of that. Uh, so that's maybe either a burden or 
like not a burden, right? I'm I, I'm really curious about that because a lot mm-hmm. of people say the well, a huge contributing factor to success is having a vision, having a strategy, knowing where you're going, yeah. And that's how you get there is by having a destination. But it sounds like from what I'm hearing from you, you don't really have a destination, um, but you're yeah. also still successful. So what variables are unique about you that has enabled you to be successful without necessarily having that intent of knowing exactly where you want to be? You know, when I first um, opened the Friendly Spot, I was still working full-time at USAA. My husband had lost his job at like a time where people were saying, you know, you'd like turn on the TV or look at the newspaper or look online. It'd be like another 5,000 Americans lost their jobs today. You know, that'd be coupled with the fact that he would go on an interview, he'd come back, he'd be like, there's 20 of me there. No way I'm getting that job. Um, So... We had started the friendly spot, and I would. Uh, I had a, a three-year-old. Like I had a child. I in the first year of the friendly spot, I got pregnant. Uh, I had a full-time job, and then I. Uh, w- well, I was busy, and so uh, I would watch um, House Hunters. I don't know if you've ever watched HGTV, but it's like the greatest, most non-committal. Uh, uh, it's non-commitment television because you don't have to watch a series. You can watch one 30-minute show and sort of get 20 minutes out of it of relaxation, focus on something. And feel complete. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there are people on that show that just decide to change their entire lives and move like to the Caribbean or they get to move, you know, wherever they want to move. And um, I'd be like, I sort of resemble those people a little bit. Like the people that just decided to move. Just do it. Just do it because they wanted something different. Um, I'm like, I think that is, it's a, it's the same, like as crazy as it is, the people on Caribbean life and me have something in common. So you weren't necessarily you know? <laughs> like, re, you weren't moving your, like your physical self, but you were moving your uh, path, like uh, what you want to yeah, do with your intention. Right. Okay. And gotcha. I, I feel like we, my husband did get job offers, right? But the thing was this, he was going to work, had to work the same or more to be paid less. So why not bet on us? Mm. And one of the biggest lessons of the food and beverage industry, Steve and I learned very quickly. Uh, We went into business with a friend and, uh, uh, you know, st- stuff started being missing. You know, the, what people say is the culture of food and beverage is theft. Uh, we, of course, we weren't experts in food and beverage, so we didn't know that. But so was this prior to the friendly spot? No, this is the friendly spot, okay. the first four months of the friendly spot. And we knew nothing about the restaurant, uh, food and beverage, beer industry, you know. We had a friend. We decided to take a risk. Uh, we had $15,000 we had saved up. We knew at that point we were going to be selling our house. Everything was going to change. Yeah. And the one thing we knew is that we, we believed in us. Like, we knew the effort we put in. We knew. I mean, so we just did it. Yeah. That is crazy like that's crazy you have a a child going like in preschool like who does that 
but you can depend on yourself. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. It's a huge risk at that time when you have a child in preschool. You, you're losing a lot of security, but you also can rely on yourself and the person, the right. people that you love the most more than anything else. Right, for sure. Uh, but you, you kind of alluded to it that you went into business with a friend. Um, did this friend have food and beverage experience? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, a lot of a so lot of experience. They were yeah. kind of going to be your anchor, or at least that's what you kind of thought. Going totally, into the experience. yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's let's backpedal a little bit because I kind of want to set the listeners up with uh, the vision and and how you guys came across the opportunity and really set up like really set that up like the the what happened leading into actually pulling the trigger and going into the industry. Yes, yeah, so we moved into this lovely neighborhood that they call Southtown um, in two thousand three. We initially, Steve was from California, and um, I had been living in Austin, uh, originally grew up Dallas-Fort Worth area. We would live, we lived on the north side of downtown. We would take the blue trolley, and we would ride the blue trolley down to Southtown to go to some of the restaurants that are still here today, you know? And um, we fell in love with the neighborhood. Wound up seeing an apartment online and renting an apartment down here. That's how we got down nice. here. I think my love for living here is one of the main motivators uh, for uh, for the friendly spot. How the friendly spot began. What was it know? exactly that you loved about San Antonio? Well, you know, San Antonio, I think, is the land of opportunity. I think it was. I think it was the land of opportunity then, and I still think it's the land of opportunity today. The opportunity has possibly changed a little bit. A lot has happened in the past. Uh, yeah. what is it, seventeen years now. Yeah, right. So, what made it so opportun? Not the word opportunistics. Not the word. That's a negative word. What What made it so full of opportunity? What was going on in San Antonio at that time? Well, I don't know. You know, maybe opportunistic is the great, the greatest way to describe it. The people who were here that wanted different or wanted better or wanted progress or wanted amenities, whatever it was, had the opportunity to do it, right? They just had to be opportunistic, right? So was it like a a burgeoning uh, area at the time? Yeah. Yeah. Yes and no. You know, I mean, I remember people telling me when I was pregnant with my son, Wilson, who's now 13 years old saying to me, I can't believe you're going to raise him down there, you know, crime or, or sometimes, sometimes people equate diverse neighborhoods that have all, all kinds of incomes. They equate that with crime, but it really doesn't. What I loved is that this is a three shift neighborhood. So when we, in the early years of the friendly spot, and when I would leave here at one o'clock in the morning after finishing up closing, I'd get on my bike, I'd ride it home and neighbors said hello to me on the way. Right. They there. It's a three shift. Na- at that time, it was really a three shift neighborhood. What do you mean by that? A three shift neighborhood? Uh, well, there were people the who worked nine to five. Okay. There were people who worked evenings or industry people in the overnight hotel industry. And then there were people who worked uh yeah in manufacturing gotcha, gotcha. security jobs that worked so the overnight blue collar is another way of looking at it right yeah it just and and to this day the lavaca neighborhood where i live is still really reflects that there have been a lot of changes but we're still three shift 
Mm. You know, and that that I think that's the heart and soul of of Southtown. Listen, none of us made Southtown. The artists made Southtown, right? The people that came in that were creative in the 90s that took a chance, even the 80s took a chance on this neighborhood, loved the architecture, loved the angles, loved so many things about it. They believed in this neighborhood enough to to create here. Yeah. And that that led to it. And I think that's an important history for, for the friendly spot because those people are original friends. You know, the photographer Rick Hunter, the artist Robert Tatum, some of San Antonio's best, most amazing creatives were here day one. I love it. The yeah. reason why I wanted to go into that is because I've noticed that um, a lot of people who do become really successful and, and rise to the top uh, are where they are because they got someplace at a time where the the city or wherever they are geographically is on the come up. It's they got, they, they caught, they caught the wave. Right. And I think a lot of right. people will try to go to like the major cities and try to become successful there. Right. And it's so much harder to, to compete with the people that are so established, go to those cities and learn from the people that are at the top because they're, they're going to be the ones that, that have figured it out and have brought their operation to the point where they can compete at the top. And you're going to learn so much from them. Then take that level of operation and go to a city that's on the come up. Right. And there's yeah. a ton of them yes. all over the nation right now that are coming back from where they were. So yeah. do you want to reflect on that? Well, you're going to laugh, but I remember maybe April, 2010, May, 2010, my husband's like, I want to, I want to get a keg reader. I mean, it seems so funny now. Like this brilliant. This 2010? Yeah, this okay. brilliant man that like builds draft systems that people write about, you know. I think we should get a keg reader. And I remember we had been like saving money to get it. And he's like, I want to do this craft beer thing. Okay, let's do it. You know, <laughs> I do the math, he does the choosing. He put on top quok, which if I remember correctly, came with these like tulip style glass glassware that had like a wooden holder. Quok, triple carmelite. Okay. okay. These are the two first boozy beers at the friendly spot, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just remember we were so proud of ourselves. <laughs> And then my family being from New Orleans, uh, my family would drink Abita. And Steve at the time being from California, he thought Shiner was like the greatest thing ever. Okay. Shiner beer, you know. Um, so we decided we were going to try to get Abita. We knew they had a, a distributor here, but they weren't bringing, really bringing too much in. So I remember Steve and I checking the balance of the bank account, committing to a pallet of TurboDog. Okay? A pallet of TurboDog. I don't even know. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm not the most – I'm not a beer connoisseur. So yeah. is that like a really expensive beer? Is, yeah. Well, it's like a – well, to? a pallet is a lot, a lot of kegs, you know? And then, and then uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, okay. in comparison to what we were selling at the time, it was expensive. Okay. And um, 
And I remember Steve saying, you know, I'll just talk to some of my other friends. The one great thing about the Friendly Spot was when it opened, it was it was pretty groundbreaking. And we started doing the craft beer. We were the only ones really doing it in downtown. So this was like a year after you opened. So you opened not as a craft beer place. We but- opened as a beer place, but- Ice House. But what, not with the craft beer intention. So more like Probably domestics and drafts. Four, like. four or five. No draft when no. we opened. Okay. Four or five months into it, this when Steve started saying, "I really want to do the craft beer." So what was it about? What was going on with Steve that that had him catch the bug? Was he being influenced by somebody? I don't know. You know, he and I both did a lot of learning off of YouTube, man. Yeah. We we would, you know, yeah. So he he, he just got attracted to it, and he and oddly enough, we now know like he has this palate. That like he can beat like people in like pallet offs, you know what I mean? Like he could just sip a, he could be sipping this wine or this beer that you and I are drinking and be like, I have notes of cherry, you know? Like he just <laughs> like it's just it's almost enviable, right? But it is really because uh, it, it shows it shows an element an element of Steve that he is in the moment, he's present. And I think that's yeah a key, for sure. That's a key element to to be in the moment, to be present in the hospitality industry because it's filled. With so many great moments, so many p- great people, right? And to be present is so so valuable. Well, and we've seen this sort of, you know, the total bell curve of like when we were like begging craft beer reps to come and talk to us, begging breweries, right? To like, I would say the pinnacle maybe six or seven years in where there would be like 20 reps like sitting here waiting to talk to us. And then now, you know, you're seeing the cutbacks and the and the the corporations. So it's not unlike the radio, right? Where it would be, things became automated it's the and world. corporate. It's yeah, it just it happens, right? And so the thought would be, is that one of the things I think that's so special about the friendly spot is that we were able to allow it to organically tell us what direction we're going. Steve and I were able to influence it and then we were able to put it into service. You know, we were able to say, we're doing this because we're the decision makers. We don't have to call anyone and ask them if we can do it. We can do it. If we want your brewery on top of the friendly spot or we want this wine at the friendly spot, we just order it. Yeah. It, you know, it's not. It doesn't come from above. Yes. You're alluding to something which I think is so important, something that we're losing as we progress into civilization and humanity, as we try to scale uh, culture. Um, we lose sight that like the things that make us human are, are the abilities to be free, to make a decision like on the – on the spot to, to create, yeah. to, to do what feels right. And that's what we do as a human. We, we react to our emotions and our desires. Yeah. And with, when you scale to a certain point and you get so big, you, you definitely dampen that human element of being able to be spontaneous, to be in the moment and to do what feels right. Uh, yeah. which is really cool about how you guys, you, you took a risk, you, you, you went into this industry and, uh, now you get to, you know, you, you were setting that you were, you had each other, right? And you, you're, you're banking yes. on each other. But even if in the early days, you, you might not be making a ton of money, but you got that freedom, right? Which is so important. Yeah, and I think a couple of things that we did right that we didn't realize we did right until later, right? Because when you're in it and you put your head down, um, and I know we'll eventually talk about Launch SA 
and my volunteering there with the small business incubator in San Antonio. But uh, we never picked our head up to really look around to see what we were building until maybe that sweetness wasn't as sweet. How many you know? years are we talking about now when you picked your head up, like that area? God, maybe five years. So from two, so five years, like 2014. Yeah, we, well, I'll tell you this. We got caught up in opening other places. Some of them great, some of them not, you know, when you talk about like places that we've had that have closed. Um, the one really brilliant thing is that the places we have closed uh, that are no longer in business, we chose it. Mm. We chose to close it on our terms. We announced we were closing. We got to thank all the people who supported us. Um, I think that's super important. Uh, definitely the the place uh, that I closed last January. I even know the date, January 15th. Uh, 2018 is Alamo Street Eat Bar, my food truck park mm-hmm. on Alamo. Uh, it it did some kick ass things for this city. It, we lobbied, we changed the food truck ordinance, mm. which now all food trucks are able to utilize and and really prosper under those rules. We did. Uh, uh, we made connections with people like Cameron Davies, um, who at the time was 210 Customs, now is Cruising Kitchens, building world-class food trucks That's awesome. all over the world. Uh, we, we were able to make relationships like that to change the direction of food in our city. And I think just so fondly of Cameron Davies, when I go today into a fabulous restaurant that's owned by someone who started in a food truck here who before we we decided to do that in 2011 2012 uh they they couldn't they couldn't prosper so your business might might not be around anymore but your presence the the the, yeah that you created is still here it's still that's awesome it it served so i think i think we kind of uh you you started to allude to it earlier and then i i made you get off of it to go back and set the listeners up a little bit more about how you got into the industry that you got into this business with a partner and that didn't work out didn't work out so take us to that that experience, that lesson. I think there's a lesson in there that we can take and hold on to and keep in the back of our mind to protect ourselves going into the future yeah. if we're listening to this. So what happened? Take us through that experience and then we'll talk about I the mean, progression. I worst ever. And, and maybe it's because there was not a, a strong agreement in the beginning, right? Now, mm. whenever I talk to anybody who is going to be in a partnership, I'm like, operating agreement, operating yes. agreement, this operating agreement, operating for. agreement. You know, um, find a lawyer, one that's not your brother-in-law, okay? One that pay for an hour of their time. It's probably going to be $175, $250. Do it, right? Um, spend less money on your logo and take $250 and go and get that agreement saying, this is what we're all going to do. These are the duties, and we're going to play to our strengths. Nobody can take money out of the till, Nobody can pay a personal bill out of the bank account. Um, have that conversation. Like, do you have money saved to live off of? Ask your partner. I mean, do they have a spouse that's working? So have they decided to, you know, lower their standard of living to make it work? 
all of those things. I think we were a victim of not having that conversation and we probably didn't even know to have it at the time. Um, and then at that point, you don't know until you know, right? Yeah. At that point we had put our savings into this. And so the only option was to separate from that person and to make this work, you know, don't, it doesn't matter the story they tell. If you're here 10 years later, the truth tells the story for you. <laughs> don't spend time defending yourself. Um, just work, mm. you know, and uh, that that's what we did. So, you know, great episode I recorded with a, a lawyer, David Denny, not too long ago, episode 569, uh, where he tells us everything we need to know about getting into partnerships and how to protect yourself. Check out that episode yeah. to learn more about that topic. Uh, what, what about like, uh, I mean, yes, get an operations agreement, get something on paper to keep people honest and to protect yourself. But what yeah. did you learn about working with people from that experience aside from protecting yourself? Was the, was he not just the right person for the fit? Like, did, did he like get into some of the more human elements there aside from, uh, well, we were friends, very good friends, the dearest of friends. And of course we're friends no longer. Our friendship. ended. Yeah. Our friendship ended over that. Uh, I feel good about it right um i think that you don't ever really know when i say that i know i can bet on me and i know the lengths that i'm willing to go through to change the trajectory of my life to make sure wilson and simone my kids you know get theirs you know when 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 we talk about that we have to believe that that our end goal is that. And so anything that gets in the way of that matters. Mm. Uh, when I turned 40, I decided I wasn't going to fight about money anymore. Okay. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a, a scorecard on where I'm at. I don't know. Was that, okay? that's date you, but was that 40. like right after? No, um, no, no. That was years recently? later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. I love that you think I'm so young. <laughs> Perfect. The energy. No, I'll be, I'll be 44 this year. Um, so four years ago. So right after this experience, basically 2000. Yeah. Maybe five years, four, five, five okay. years after, uh, I decided I'm not going to fight about money anymore. I'm just going to do what gives me peace in any situation. Okay, so if what's going to give me peace is to make sure you pay me my money back, if we have a contract, then I do that. Okay. If you stole from me and having to turn you in and do all of that is going to disrupt my peace, I'm not going to do it. We're going to use that as a teaser because I know this story and I know it's a good story. (laughs) But we're going to take a break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. So Revel Systems is a complete POS built to help grow your expanding business. I stand by Revel, and I can tell you why it's so great, but I'd rather get my man Colton Schultz, who's with Grain Junction Subs in the Craft Cave, to tell you why he loves Revel. We have been working with Revel for several years, who has partnered with us to streamline our operations. We have implemented delivery management, employee management, sales reporting, kitchen display screens, and so much more. We also utilize mobile order takers and kitchen display systems that are extremely customizable. Nice. So if there's just one thing that you love the most about Revel Systems, what would it be? It's definitely their vast reporting abilities on the back end. We utilize a lot of the reports such as speed of service, taxes, sales reports, labor reports. It's all there to help you run your business. 
Beautiful. Guys, and if you're listening to this, Revel works with businesses that are looking to implement cutting-edge technology that helps increase revenue, improve efficiencies, and enhance experience of their employees and their customers. To learn more, head over to revelsystems.com slash unstoppable. So we're back, and I've heard this story before. I know it's a good story, and there's a lot of value to take from this story. Uh, so if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure you're going to tell the story about the time that someone stole from you. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't just been once, actually. Yeah, that's right. Oddly enough. And I think, okay, so the biggest thing I want everybody to know is that this assumption that theft happens and it's okay in our industry, like you should just accept it. No. (laughs) Okay? Not okay. All right? Not okay. Um, Not okay. Not okay. Okay. Investors come into this business. Owners, operators come into this business. Managers and staff are all coming into this business to further their family along. Okay? I believe in, I totally believe in creating this environment of friendly, right? We, we can take some of these preconceived notions and we can create them into something positive for the business. Okay. And I think that's what I've done in every situation where I'm like, wow, <laughs> you took my money or you lied to me or you were supposed to do something and you didn't do it. And so the result is we're closing this business, right? All of these different things. Um, uh, you know, the specifics aren't as important as that there are things you can preventatively do to make sure that doesn't happen and your life is way easier. Veteran food and beverage people, nine times out of 10, know how to do that. Investors and new owners and operators, nine times out of 10 don't. Mm -hmm. Okay? Just the way it is. So I try to head off uh, like someone paying a personal bill through the bank account and then also, well, okay, like a produce bill comes in, right? A vendor comes in, delivers us produce. Okay. We hand them a check and then they take that invoice, they put it under the register and they take the money out too. Okay. That's happened. That's okay. happened to me. Okay. Uh You know, agreements I'll do, I own 50% and you own 50%, right? And you're, you're supposed to be the operator and I'm the money and I come in, right? Uh, If you're not operating, then what I did in that situation is I said, these are the three options. We have this operating agreement. This is what you're supposed to do. Uh, We have three options, These are the three options I'm going to remain in this agreement. If you don't pick one of these options, then I'm closing this place in three months because I, I know my value, right? And I know that I, at the time I had multiple locations open and I couldn't be there all the time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my number one, you know, 
that's uh, I always tell Steve, shake the money maker, dude. Shake the money maker. You're, you're basically you're just getting the agreement on paper. So if anything ever goes wrong, you can say this is what you said you're going to. So do. not only do you have to have the agreement in paper, but you have to then call the hand. You have to say, here's our agreement. Yeah. You're not living up to it. So at what point am I going to believe my partner is going to hold up their end of the bargain? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. When you lose faith that they're going to do it, act. Don't let it die this yeah. slow, incredibly painful death for you. Did you learn that the Where hard you're, way? Yeah, yes. You know, when you're just putting money in, putting money in, putting money in, eventually you have to say, okay, why am I here? So do, I'm curious, what, um, when you realize this and you, and you didn't act, did you have the operations? I mean, there was probably multiple times. Was there an example when you had the operations and agree- agreement yes. in place, but you chose not to pull the trigger to protect yourself because you were... Uh, you like the, maybe the human element get in the way yeah. and the, the, the emotion yeah. uh, clouds your better judgment. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still Jody. Yeah. Like I'm still, you're a pretty great person. I can see why like, I, I help. <laughs> I'm a helper by nature. Okay. I get that. Um, so I think that, but your business requires you to be something different. And the best example I can tell you about that is I can make a business decision in 10 seconds. Like I hear my dad in my head saying to me, the worst thing you could do is not make a decision, right? But I will legitimately get going to dinner with me. Like if you and I ever go to dinner and I feel like we're going to, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be there for two hours because I'm always like, I need a couple extra minutes because I really don't know what I want. <laughs> like I cannot pull the trigger on a, on a dinner order to save my life. I used to always order the special until my um, friend Jason Dady, who's like this great chef in San Antonio, really good guy, was like, you order the special? Sometimes that's not good. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until I got into this industry oh, and got funny. people. Usually what I do whenever I go, because I'm just like you, like I can never decide when it comes to food. So I just, I always let the server, I'm like, they know the menu better. I'm like, what is good? There's what a, is the thing no, I need to don't have do here? It. I do it all the time and I love it. There's Maybe I'm using it, please. You're getting yesterday's. Oh. Uh, in yesterday's food. I got a stomach of steel, though. Okay. Until well, I went to Thailand, and then I, that was a different story. But anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like episode 240, <laughs> yeah. my stomach in Thailand. <laughs> yeah. So uh, not to get too far off track. The lesson here is to uh, act when yeah. people are breaking the, uh, yeah. the, okay. the agreement. But I think there's something else that's worth bringing out of this story, which I picked up from the last time you told it, which is that you didn't do anything. Like, for example, the story about the, the – uh, uh, accountant that stole from you that took your taxes yeah. and and didn't pay them. They could use yeah. They took your money. They, s- they pocketed it and they left. You didn't do anything after that. You didn't pursue it. Why? Why is that? Okay. So this is the thing. That's so. All these examples. You know, uh, a partner that that pays the produce with a check and then takes it out of the register. Right. Partner that doesn't prioritize revenue. Uh, a professional that you sign up for to do something for you. Well, because none of us are accountants. Okay. It all sort of has the same thing in common, right? It's going to hurt you. What level does it hurt you? And what effort are you going to put in to make it right? 
I mean, that's that's really what it is. Can I let something that happened to me in 2011 with a CPA distract me from 2019, which is going to be one of the biggest yeah. years in the history of the <laughs> Friendly Spot Ice House? I can't, right? And so it's it's hopefully uh, we're gaining confidence in ourselves enough to say, you know what? I'm going with this one. Alamo Street Eat Bar, my food truck park, I loved it. You know what? A year later, I love that I closed it. I mean, I hate to say it. Like, it's a part of the history, and I appreciate it for that, but I'm glad it's gone. Mm. Tuck Tuck Tap Room, my my place on Broadway, you know, I lost a, quite a bit of money on that deal. Um, but I, I did some things right, and today I live the benefit of making those decisions. It's interesting how believing in yourself, trusting yourself, knowing that you're going to make the best decision at the time, even if it doesn't feel that way. I was just having this conversation with my 13-year-old son. Sometimes doing the right thing doesn't feel that great. No, sometimes the right thing is the the most shitty feeling at first, but it always pays out. The hard way is always is nine times out of ten the the right way. Yeah. So yeah. So and the other thing that I think is really important about partnerships that don't work, management situations that you have to separate from. uh, The one thing that I will tell you is. Do not let that distract you, that grudge that you have distract distract you from moving forward. Mm. So uh, some variables that didn't come out yet, but I hope they come out. So I'm just going to bring them straight to the surface. Is that uh, you have had people steal from you. Yes. uh, But you never fired them. Is that, do I remember that correctly? Yeah. So I do have some staff. I mean, I'm not going to say their names because I'm sure like... You know who you are, you know, <laughs> but, um, one of my greatest, I think legitimately, hi Lupus. Okay. <laughs> uh, one of my, sorry, we're at the friendly spot. Yeah. We have to be friendly. Um, w- one of my greatest theft stories of all the time has to be the iced tea. Okay. Uh, friendly spot iced tea. I don't inventory it. It's not worth my time. <laughs> I mean, I respect iced tea, but I don't inventory it. I got you. So I had a staff member that was, you know, I'm a numbers person, so I'm constantly looking at reports. Well, I noticed on like some days the transfers are like sky high, right? And these POS systems, they're amazing. You want a statistic, they're going to give it to you. Okay. I use revenge in POS. So, uh... The transfers, like on some days, are like one. On some days, like 27, right? So it just caught my eye one day. I started looking into it, like, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm like, wow, we are transferring iced tea like 27 times in a day. So just to make sure we're all on the same page, what do you mean by a transfer? Describe what a transfer is. Like from one, um, one tab... To another tab. You order an iced tea. It's on your tab. Yeah. And I come up to the register. I order an iced tea. Now that iced tea you ordered is on my tab. 
It's only one iced tea. Okay. It gets moved 27 times. Ah, so they're giving away iced teas. Gotcha. Yeah. 27 iced teas. Yeah. <laughs> no. so, Which is $58. Okay. Gotcha. So I'm like, I feel like $58 is a... So there's a couple things, right? The trigger would be... Um, would I pay $58 to figure out uh, how to stop transfers from happening? Yes, I would. I totally would. <laughs> okay. The second thing is I've learned a method. You know, you learn all these methods as an owner-operator. You put them in place. The third is, hey, staff, member, that is awesome. What's going on? Teach me how you did that. <laughs> you need $58. Yes. Like something going on. So. Well, my dog, you know, my, my dog, you know, I had to take him to the 24 hour vet and I have a $2,700 bill from that. Okay. Well, can I help you with that? You know, mm. I think as owner and as ownership, like we said, when you're dealing with, um, you know, oh, you want to talk to the manager of the friendly spot? Sure, that's Steve. You want to talk to the owner of the friendly spot? Yeah, that's Jody. You want to talk about the investors in the friendly spot? Yeah, that's Jody, right? All of a sudden now, if our staff member needs something, we can sit down with them and say, let, let me help you call um, the child support division and let's talk about it. Let's get something that you can live with. And let's make this right in your life. And then let's have you continue working here because you're awesome. You know, let me just, dive into your head real quick. Yeah. Because what's going on in your head at that moment when you've identified a situation where somebody's clearly stealing from you, instead of flipping your shit and going yeah. storming into the bar and pulling them by the ear into the back office and saying, How fucking dare you steal from me? Right. Where, where do you stop that train of thought to say, maybe I should see if there's another issue here. I don't know about maybe this person yeah. needs my help. Maybe I shouldn't make the situation worse, make the situation worse by kicking them on the curve. What, what's yeah. happening in your head? Well, we're the friendly family and I don't want us just to be that in name only. Like I pride myself on the fact I have a manager that here that's worked for me eight years. Another one that's worked for me for six and a half, you know, my first employee I ever hired worked for me for almost eight years. She and I are still friends to this day, and I would like to help her open her own bar someday, right? Uh, like, I don't want to just be the friendly family in name only. Uh, we're, we're a family. My mother calls us the island of misfit toys, likely. That is likely a good description. But I want us to all be here together for each other. And... I can look at that $58 as a third of a pair of new Birkenstocks, <laughs> right? Uh, or I can say, wow, like you have a great job. You've worked here for three years. Like what's up? Mm. You know, nine times out of 10, there's something up. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of 10, they broke up with their girlfriend or their boyfriend. They're having to move. Um, something. And so if I can create an environment and I can show the other 26 employees, 
when this comes along in your life as it's going to, don't transfer the tea. <laughs> right? Come to me, right? Come a, to me. A, don't burn, don't let's talk about it. Come to me. Like and it. let's get you some more shifts. Let's get you some overtime. Let's make sure your life is taken care of so that you can then make sure this business is taken care of. This business is greater than all of us. It takes care of all of us. Yeah. You right? know, I, I think this is what, one of the reasons why small business is so important because it, it's less transactional. There's more of a human element there. You know that person. Um, and you can choose to intervene uh, and do the thing to help that person instead of say, hey, yeah. you cross the line. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, and we need more of that in this world because think about the impact that you may have had in that person's life going forward. The the way that they see the world now yeah. today because of the, how good you were to them. How is that going to change the, the decisions they make later in life? And I love these microphones. Yeah. I can hear a, a, a helicopter over us right now, but I'm sure the listeners Viva Southtown, dude. Like, Viva Southtown. <laughs> well, you know, the friendly spot. I don't know if uh, the listeners may not know this. But we're actually at the friendly spot and the friendly spot is outdoors and we're living the life of Southtown right now. Yeah. That's what we're doing. People are walking by. They're saying hi. You know, earlier, Gavin Rogers of Pub Theology was here. We talk about the friendly spot is all welcome. Uh, it's true. Yeah. So you're going to as you're sitting here, a lot of people are going to see you. Hopefully they all decide to listen to the podcast. And I think, you know, I think we have. Part of our success is that we have in- invested in what we actually are, right? Yes. And I mean, I think that I tell my staff all the time, come to me, okay? Come to me. The answer is either going to be yes, the answer is going to be no, and I'm going to tell you why. Or I'm going to say maybe, and I'm going to tell you all the things I have, to, I have to think about and figure out to get there. And if I can get there, I'll try. Yeah. If I think, you know, I have become the defender of the concept. Okay. I, I get a lot of offers to do a lot of things that are the opposite of what the, the friendly spot is. And if we defend the concept and we continue on the path of being who we are, we make decisions based on, who we know we are, right? At the 10-year point, we have like, hopefully an elementary understanding of that. Then we can be there. We can get there. We can tell the employee that needs $58 that we'll help them. We can tell the employee that's sick Uh, or that has a family member that's sick, you can have the time off and we'll figure out the money part, right? I mean, all of these things, we can tell the elementary school across the street, so you have 80 kids in the robotics club, you only have funding for 20, let's figure out the other 60, right? If we look at it as we're a part of the community, the community supports us. Mm -hmm. I mean, 70% of our customers here are, are regulars. Yes. I mean, visit here, once a month. Yeah. That's so one key strong. Qu- yeah, it's really strong. It's great. Con- congratulations. Uh, Do one- you love the helicopter? Do you just <laughs> love it? <laughs> it's really not bothering yeah. me about that. 
but one thing I want to make sure we get from you, you identified as something that's really important that you need to stay true to who you are. Yeah, that's a for sure. huge variable to being successful in this industry. But there's things we can do to make sure we're true to who we are. So what things have you done to make sure you never drift from who you are and, and, and who you were when you started this? So interestingly enough, we, uh, we try to take items that are important to our business and we stay true to them. Uh, you know, San Antonio is a big convention city. I'm sure you've realized that. Can I tap the brakes real quick? Yeah. Take items that are true to us. Mm-hmm. Or that I, what, what, give me some examples of some of the items just to paint that picture. So we're all welcome all the time. Okay. So uh, San Antonio is a big convention city. And so often big companies want to buy us out. They want to close it. They want to pay us big money. Like to, what's to, your to buy the land or the no buy the place for the night? Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I'm always like, yeah, we can't do that. Well, we, you know, you can have an event back here, but there's no private area at the friendly spot. You cannot have a space where nobody else is going to walk yeah, through. Because gonna... guess what? Friends. Yes. Fr- friends, right? Yeah. So, pharmaceutical companies, all these companies that come in and say, hey. We'll give you X amount, which is often like eight or ten thousand dollars more than we've ever done in a day, you know, uh, to close for a night. The friend and Steve and I are like, yeah, but what about our 80 regulars that are going to yeah. come up to the gate and see it's closed? When Billy and Sally walk up and totally. they're here in their routine yeah. and we're saying, sorry, Billy and Sally, you're not welcome today. Be yeah. my friend tomorrow, though? Yeah. No, it doesn't work, <laughs> right? So just things like that that I think in the short term could possibly benefit us. You know, 20 grand goes a long way towards a new whatever we want. But we're like, you know what? We're, gonna, we're not going to do that. Just, you know, some basic things. Uh, like Steve determines the selection on the tap wall. Okay. Uh, you you get to him by giving him good service, and that's it. Sorry. There's there's no extra stuff you can give Steve. Like nobody has a tap at the friendly spot. Nobody owns a tap at the friendly spot. You can't pay for a tap at the friendly spot, right? I mean, all all friendly all the time, and you have to live it, believe it. I live it because it's changed my life. Mm. There's one other story that uh, really resonated with me. So this is almost kind of like a second interview I've done with Jody. Uh, The first time I encountered Jody, it wasn't necessarily an interview. It was kind of like a round table. A bunch of us were sitting around at launch um, SA or uh, is it, is that their brand now or is it, is it change or? Yeah. So launch SA is, uh, is like the three one one to small business here in San Antonio for people who aren't familiar with it. It is um, city funded, city of San Antonio funded. It's powered by Lyft Fund, which is a small business lender. Um, The kind of lender that would, in fact, lend to a small business. (laughs) Um, And it is supported by uh, business leaders around the city, companies around the city. And you happen to attend... Um, what I call my oh shit round table <laughs> that happens every Wednesday 
uh, around 10 o'clock at the Central Library where small business owners or wannabe small business owners or whomever can join in. Yeah. And you just happened to be there and it was fun. Yeah, we're going to talk to Ryan Saltz uh, tomorrow. So Ooh, we'll, I'm sure we'll dive into I love Ryan. I'm excited for that conversation. Yeah. So uh, point being, during that conversation, uh, you brought up this uh, story where you have a vendor who supplies beer to you who yeah. I believe um, – you rejected or turned away because of the, I can't remember the details, but the the end of the story sounded it ended with I'm not going to do this because it's not good for the rest of the businesses in in San Antonio. I can't remember the details, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so uh, you know we have we are aware of the responsibility that we have. Uh, to support other locally owned small business owners that are lone guns just making it happen, okay? For every friendly spot, and I mean, trust me, Steve and I, we don't take for granted the fact we open this place. It becomes the friendly spot. I mean, what? I, it could have been the place that closed, we don't take for granted its success, its notoriety, um, its presence. You it's, were the little guy once. Yeah, yeah, it's power. It's power in the industry. I mean, the mayor will call me and ask me about something because I own this place that sells some beer. When does that ever happen? Almost never. It's a voice. It's a platform. And we take it seriously. So if we see a vendor that's doing something that's contradictory to locally small businesses as a whole, we're in a place to stand up to it. We're in a place to say, your overpriced specialty keg, you know, that's... $550, we could buy it. But what about our BFFs all over the city with the small top rooms that that's the amount of their entire order for the week? Mm -hmm. What kind of position are you putting them in? Right? I mean, we owe it to ourselves as people who support local small business to band together and to take care of each other, you know, certainly launch SA, you know, with the help that, that we provide with leases, negotiating leases and expenses, all of our, our people that we, I mean, it, we all need to come together to support yes. each other. Yes. Yes. You know, and every once in a while I'm sitting there and I'm bitching about like, what a terrible week the friendly spots <laughs> having. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, if I'm having a terrible week, I can't imagine blank. Yeah. You know, I'll text him. Hey, how you doing over there? You know, yeah. how's it going? Can, can I, can I bring my staff in for lunch? You yeah. know, during your slowest time. How do we, how can we support social media wise or yep. whatever? Yeah. You know? and, and the reason why I want to bring this story up is because I feel like uh, historically the restaurant industry is a very reactive industry. We constantly yeah. react to the, the market, what the market wants. We react to what the vendors are in. Like we are so reactive in this. I think we, we 
kind of painted ourselves into a corner. Look at the minimum wage situation. Like we, yeah. I mean, we can't even find our way to get out of this this issue we've created by under, you know, like like basically competing on the, yeah. the, the bottom. Like we put ourselves in the situation yeah. when we're not charging what food costs, what would it cost to serve you because we're yeah. competing against each other all the time. So now um, we're trying to find creative ways to find a solution for the issue with the, the people not making enough money in our industry. Right. We should just charge what it costs. Uh, but yeah. This is I, one example listen, of like, I, I'm, I'm with you. Okay. I think this systemic, um, and I mean, it started way before you and I were ever born, right? The devaluing of certain uh, uh, service industry, mm-hmm. the devaluing of that. Uh, we see, we see the service industry as a whole. Uh, you know, the hotel owners fighting for their staff. Um, you know, the the whole hotel industry not getting the thanks it deserves for the huge tax revenue it provides our city, right? Um, we, I mean, we talk about it, right? Um, I changed the price of a bestseller from $2 to $3. A couple of bar owners that I know that are way cooler than me came in and clowned me like, what is going on with your $2, <laughs> you know? And... Um, I said, well, it's always been that way. It's a volume seller. And, you know, we've got revenue. They a lot of times don't. Yeah. So that dollar mattered. So I put it up a dollar. And I'd say, luckily, we are lucky. Friendly spot patrons, BFFs, friends, besties. A lot of them just took that buck in stride. Okay. But the ones that didn't, and this is something Steve and I do. When we get a complaint or a concern, we answer it directly. I do not shy away from it. And some big things have happened in Texas. I mean, I have to tell you, like open carry, right? And some of these big things. I'm like, I'm going to answer this question head on as to why this is where we are with this. So with this price increase from $2 to $3, the bottom line is, a restaurant can't make it when the product cost is 52%. Mm-hmm. We just can't. Mm-hmm. We can't not do it. Doesn't matter how many we sell. You buy it at that price. You're saying the person that served it to you isn't worth it. Mm-hmm. You're saying us refrigerating it and the people who delivered it and all of that. None of it's worth it. And we think it is worth it. I like it. So I'm going to stand up and say, I think it's worth it. Absolutely. And the reason why I wanted to bring this to the table is because I feel like we need to make an example of people like you who are making decisions not just for themselves, but for the good of other business owners in their community. Well, let me do one. Let me do one caveat of that. (laughs) Where we sit in Southtown, the loud, incredibly fun, coolest of cool Southtown, where friends are walking back and forth. With their pints of beer. Those are sharp-looking friends. Look yeah, at them. fancy. Um, <laughs> Literally, people are walking back yeah. and forth. That's we're, in, we're in a situation where, frankly, we're within one square mile of what is some of the uh, an area that has the most locally owned businesses one square mile in Texas. Wow. Let's, so we've got to make the case. It's maybe a little easier to make it here, right? If you're the tap room 
in the strip mall on the north side of San Antonio. And you've got an olive garden on one side. <laughs> and you've got a, I don't know, chilies. <laughs> right? On the other side. Uh, maybe you can't make the stand. Maybe if you make the stand, you go under. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay if those people don't. I, I, you know what they I'm saying? They have to protect themselves before. Yeah, they have an obligation to their family, to their livelihood before uh, yeah. they have an obligation yeah. to the industry. And I get that. Yeah. But yeah. the point that I want to make is that we need to start changing. It needs to be we. That's the thing. It needs to be great. And that's one of the missions behind this podcast is to share the ideas, the thought leaders, finding people like you who have this we mentality and say that you can communicate in your community. You can make it. We, yes. and it needs, it can't be us versus them anymore. It has to be. We what's best for all of us. I mean, it is friendly. I also, competition. I, I don't think I'm going to see the end of gratuity or tipping based. Um, earning in my lifetime. Probably okay? not, but... I, I don't think I'm going to see it. I honestly think that's going to correct itself over time because of... Sorry, finish po- your thought. No, possibly. Okay. Uh, so, I, I'm not... You know, I don't think I'm big enough to say we're going to eliminate this. Okay? But I do think that I am in a position to say here's a really quality product has been exceptionally served to you by the same person for five years. They know your name. They ask you about their kids. You're always welcome here. Come and see our huge slab cinema blow up screen and all the amenities that we have. We're constantly, we're constantly progressing. And frankly, Julia, who's at the front bar She's of, awesome. of my place right now, she deserves your 20%. <laughs> yeah. Okay? She deserves it. I want you to give it to her. If you give her 25, I think that's even better. Yeah. And I I really do think that... Uh, so I'm not going to say I'm going to take away your right to provide that gratuity or not. I'm not going to say that to you. But what I am going to say is Julia is badass. <laughs> yeah. And she is so good at what she does. She's a mother. She's a wife. She works hard in this industry. She studies her beer. She's a conversationalist. She's fascinating personally. She cares. And so your $3 beer, you should feel good about paying $4 for it for Julia. Mm-hmm. And... And I know there are some people that say, hey, Jody, we don't like that. We want you to say pay $4 for your beer. I don't think we're there yet. I, I don't think we're there yet. But I do think we're at a place where we can say, let's value those employees. And then once that becomes the norm... Then maybe we talk about them paying for it up front. Yeah, because if you value your employees, you are going to be the restaurant that survives this labor shortage. The people that take care right. of the people are going to be the ones yeah. that come out the end. If that means spending a little more money to keep them around Agreed. or 
taking care of him, doing whatever it is. And that's why I said that we are going to come out of this because of the, sh- the labor shortage. So what's going to happen, the natural progression is going to be, if you're going to survive in this industry, you're going to take care of your people and you're going to end up paying them $15 an hour anyway because you need them on your team. Agreed. And well, let's hope that's what happens. And, you know, the vendors, the breweries, the, you know, liquor reps I've been meeting with because Friendly Spot, I have applied for my mixed beverage. It'll be happening in the next 30 days. Exciting. Um, they say, what do you think is going to sell at the Friendly Spot? What do you think is... I'm like, whatever these people tell people to drink... <laughs> what they're gonna drink i love it um you this know? has been such a great conversation i can't believe we're already an hour and seven minutes of recording time. it goes by so fast me and you man you were great and i don't want to be over i, I do want to give you the opportunity to um bring anything to the table that you were hoping we would talk about that you think we need to talk about that you think needs to be addressed before we go to the speed round you know, I uh, you know i don't know i i really do i believe everybody in this industry is trying their best I think that we all don't express it the same way. Uh, I think every owner and our operator cares about their staff and they want, especially local, right? And they want them to be happy. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but I haven't looked at a Yelp review in probably eight years. Okay. I go by what I see people here, uh, what they tell me, how they tag us on Instagram That's what I go by. And I think that if we give less power to those that are telling us how to do it and we follow our hearts more, we follow what we think is best, I think we're better off for it. What do you mean by the people who are telling us how to do it? Groupon. Okay. See, this is Groupon. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering. If you're, uh, I wasn't sure if you're talking about uh, consultants, other... random consultants exactly. that come in. You're, yeah. You're explaining to me into my audience why Restaurant Unstoppable exists because yeah. we need to help each other. We need to share knowledge yeah. and make it about us, and that's why we're here to to find people like you to that have seen it and understand yeah. it and say this is what I know to be true and if we can bring these people to one spot yeah. and say this is what we need to know and I, I agree with what you said people are they want to do the right thing yeah. they don't know what the right thing is they haven't they, they, it, it's easy to be incompetent in this industry because yeah. your head is down all right. the time trying to survive well and I don't think you t- I don't think you listen to those people you, you know you talk to peers right but I'd rather sit down with my employees for an hour and hear what they have to say than listen to any Groupon salesman that comes by here, tells me what he thinks of my business, right? I think if you surround yourself, how are you doing? I think if you surround yourself with, with the, the people who are invested here, talk to, talk to your staff. When you get a one-star rating on Facebook, ask them why. Ask that person why. Nine tons out of ten, they may be cray. Straight up cray. <laughs> they exist. They're but guess there. what? There also might be someone who might say, you know what? My problem was this. And you're like, wow, I can change that in one decision. Mm-hmm. I never thought of it that way. I have been so pleased by this conversation Uh, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back 
It's the entrepreneurial myth, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's the idea that when you open your own restaurant, life is going to get easy because you get to do exactly what it is that you love, whether that's front of house or back of house. And then reality kicks in, right? You've got to do all this other stuff that comes with owning a business like taxes, HR, payroll, really boring stuff. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small business. And if you want to add on 401k or health benefits, it's a breeze. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the modern small business. Not to mention, you, you've got to compete with the big guys. But how do you compete with the big guys when you don't have big guy bucks? Well, with Gusto. That's how. Get back to doing what it is you love and let Gusto handle the rest. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll get your first three months free when you run your first payroll. That's Gusto.com slash unstoppable. Again, Gusto.com slash unstoppable. So this probably does not come as a surprise to you, but as you can imagine, I look at a lot of restaurant websites because I'm constantly researching my next guest, successful restaurateurs, and you'd be surprised how many of those people have bento box websites. I mean, I almost know instantly when looking at these websites because they're always so stunning and they always check every box, everything that a good restaurant website should have. These websites have them, and it's because they're going to Bento Box to get the work done. And not only will Bento Box leave a lasting impression with your guests, but Bento Box websites come with hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online. With Bento Box, you can easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events directly from your website. Bento Box puts you in control so you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bring your restaurant hospitality online with bento box by signing up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. And we're back. The first question I have for you is what is your it factor and habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Uh, I think that I'll I'll try anything twice. Mm. What is your biggest weakness? Uh, I, you know, I don't know my biggest weaknesses. I would say that, um, I, I do uh, often have people, uh, take advantage of my good nature. But have you noticed that your good nature has served you more than it's hurt you? Way, way. And I think, hundred, I think yeah. we get tainted. I think we get burnt once and we say, fuck being nice ever again. Yeah. And that will hurt you way more than it will serve you. Yeah. I'm just not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will be someday. Yeah. So what's one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? You know, um, I am famous for hiring the wrong people. Like there's, I mean, there's a million stories like, you know, um, the guy that fell asleep in the cooler, uh, the girl that cried on her first shift and left. So I'd say the, the number one thing that I do um, hiring new people is make sure that the people that I trust hire them instead. Well, I also would say that you're famous for retaining your people. So Yeah, way, way, 100. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's one, um, sorry, what's your biggest challenge today? I think my biggest challenge today is making sure that my kids are like, you're the greatest mom, not because you're cool and not because you're a bar owner, but because you're a good, solid mom. And that's a challenge? 
Yeah, I want them to think that. Oh, making them yeah. think that. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought they said this that. already and that was your challenge. But um, yeah. what's your plan to make them uh, say that? How are you going to try to make that happen? I don't know. You know, I hope they look back on some of the things that I'm doing and they think, wow, mom, you really. I know I look at, I look at my mom now and I'm like, you did so many things to make me awesome. I want my kids to say that. You know, it's funny that you're saying that because I'm feeling that same exact way right now. I'm not the most successful person. I'm not the most talented person, but I feel like I have really great moral compass. And yeah. I think that came from my parents and I'm so yeah. grateful for them. Uh, anyway, mom, dad, if you listen to this, love you. Yeah. I love, <laughs> yeah, I love my mom too. What's one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? A way to be a way to act. Uh, I think for sure that I, I encourage them to do, uh, to open their eyes, to look up from their register, look out into the yard of the friendly spot, um, outdoor ice house and see how are we doing? Gauge it themselves. Don't just let the numbers tell them. Don't let them just listen to what I say, but gauge themselves. And then that sets the tone of their shift. Yeah. And if you, if you hire right and if you implement the right core values and you, and you steer people, they, they will do the right thing. Yeah, that's the hope. Most of the time. That's the hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within your four walls, but not common within the industry. To tell you the truth, we have a completely no questions asked tap out policy. So we have friendly on our name, the friendly spot ice house. Uh, any place that I own is attached to the friendly spot. So the word friendly plays a lot. If you have something going wrong today, you're just not in the mood, whatever the situation is, no questions asked. An employee can tell the, can, can tell the manager on duty, I can't do this today. They'll move them to bar back or they'll move them to another position where they're not face to face with friends for eight hours. You know what I mean? And I really mean that with them. If they're not ready, it's okay. We love them. And we're going to make sure they're taking care of them for that day. But, uh, but we're also going to make sure our, our friends are served as well. I love it. Putting the employee first. And I think that's, we, we lose priorities, you know? Yeah. We got to take care. If, if, if we take care of them, they will take care of us. They will. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what's one book that's a must read to makes a better person or a restaurant operator? You know, I mostly these days, and it's it's not something people admit very often, but I do not have time to read. Um, I do uh, read a lot to my kids, and I've done that. My daughter has this crazy book called Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, and we read um, two stories out of it every night. I, I just think... it. I think reading is great, um, and I think it's because of engagement. So maybe just replace that book with engagement. Engagement and the knowledge of whatever it is you are interested or feel like you need to know at the time. So I I can't really tell you that I've sat down. I haven't watched a movie from end to end in 10 years. <laughs> I haven't read a book from end to end. Um, but you I are, haven't. One thing about you is you're very plugged into the community. And you're a part of all these uh, uh, community, uh, I don't know what to call them, like the like Launch SA and, yeah. and uh, SA 2020. Yes. So when you, that is just as powerful. Surrounding yourself with other passionate, knowledgeable people 
is just as powerful as surrounding yourself via book with passionate. And a lot of people have said that. Like, I don't read a lot, but I talk to a lot of people. Well, and, and you know what else I do? I follow um, my employees on on social media. I see what they're into, what they're engaged in. Um, I have an employee that started a downtown movement five years ago called the Downtowners. I'm all about it. You know, I, I want to know what they're doing. I want to know what they think about things. I want to use my relationships to introduce them into the into the uh, political scene of San Antonio, into the um, social innovation of San Antonio. And I think that that's a good thing. I also, just so you know, I employ a librarian. I feel like that makes me smart. <laughs> what is one thing you think restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? I know that we as a whole are on call seven days a week, 24-7. At least two hours before your place opens and two, hour, two hours after your place opens. And frankly, when my phone rings at 4.30 in the morning because a raccoon has set off the alarm at B&D Ice House, um, I still have to wake up at 6.30 and take my kids to school, right? Yeah. So I think... Uh, most food and beverage, small business owners, entrepreneurs are doing the best they can. And I think they should keep doing it. Okay. What is one piece of technology you've adopted within your four walls that's had a huge impact on operations, efficiency, communications, profitability, anything you want to share with the rest of the industry? Yeah. I mean, beyond the like, you know, a private Facebook group for your staff, having, you know, making sure you can communicate with your staff, whatever channel they choose, right? What's the channel? What's the channel of their choosing? Know it. You know, like my, my son who's 13 is always like, mom, it's crazy. You're 43. You know so much about Snapchat. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I think the other really big, um, thing for us, friendly spot ice house. How are you guys doing? Good. Um, is that, we have the latest in technology when it comes to moving your beverages via draft, um, gases. I mean, the latest and greatest refrigeration beverage movement technology in the country is happening right here at, at the Friendly Spot. So where are you Th- going or where is your husband going to, to stay plugged into what's happening? Yeah, like this dude is geeky, man. I mean, this guy is like um, uh, uh, a master certified through Micromatic. This is a guy that's like, <laughs> I just put motor oil through a tap. You know, using non-porous Elgin James lines. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, this guy, my husband is like, my husband makes me sound smart. And one of the things I love is that he takes our staff and he teaches them how to build these mm. systems. And so whether they stay here, whether they go and they work for a brewery that has no knowledge of this stuff, yeah, people are learning. He's creating people of value. Yeah. And that's the best thing you can do as a leader is create value. He's killing it. I mean, it's so the technology of and us going mixed beverage, I mean, we are about to blow Texas up with some of the technology um, and the beverage moving that we are about 
to put on tap. Can't wait for it. I'm excited I mean, for it's, you. It's going to be, you know, it's not a secret, but I love San Antonio businesses. Like, I love them. I can tell. And the district manager for Cinco Vodka, Searsucker Gin. Um, and I love it because they support what we care about. Fiesta Corneation, which provides funds for San Antonio's age-related charities. We met the other day. And I mean, just the thought of like a seersucker gin, like maybe a grapefruit flavor or a lemon flavor coming out of a tap at the right speed, like for you to have it on ice, you'd have a shot of it, you'd have a cocktail with it. This is fun stuff, right? And I think, um, you know, I mean, I can't say enough about the humility of my husband, you know, definitely being the guy that makes it makes me be able to do what what I do, but also this mechanism of beverage. It's exciting. <laughs> I can tell you're excited about it. This Fun. is the last question. It's a doozy. Oh God, get ready for ready. it. Ready? If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom, three things. You could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three things be? I got to be honest with you. I have my two kids, man. They're everything. They've got it. Driving to school this morning, my son like laid out his plan for e-scooter safety. He's 13. <laughs> you know? Um, I think that's for sure. I mean, hopefully... Uh, people that know me know that I think equality is a huge deal and hopefully that continues. So I, mean, I think I might've missed the first one I, or paraphrase it real quick. Yeah. About my kids, your kids, their impact, your kids impact your kids. The second one is equality. Yeah. I think equality, I think equality and diversity in the workplace and in your community, uh, is the most important, you know, it, it's the most important. That's it. Um, and that's probably that. That's the two. Awesome. I don't even need three. You don't need three. I love it. This yeah. has been a great conversation, Jody. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your super busy schedule. I know how busy you are. I'm and happy can, to meet with you, man. I your can, beard I, is killer. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure to sit with you. Uh, we wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So who yeah. do you think is one person I need to get on the show who can lift us up like you've lifted us up today to be a guest mentor? Call them out. Okay, my my person that I feel like uh, uh, is someone who could be on the show, who could really give you a lot of information. She's probably going to kill me <laughs> that I say this. Um, and she's a mentor to me, even though she doesn't even know it, um, is Crystal Dady. She's the wife of Chef Jason Dady. She has been in this business for 15 years. She's a baller. I mean, just a straight up baller and really a person who I think is, um, I don't know. She manages the bad so well, but she also enjoys the sweetness of the good. I don't know. It's a really cool mix. She's a mom, which I think we don't hear enough of. Crystal Dady. Crystal Dady. Look know. out. I'm coming after you. I'm going to get you on the show. And Crystal, the don't call me. Don't call me. Don't call me. <laughs> and how can we uh, maybe come join your team? What's the best way to connect if we wanted to come join your team? Maybe we have questions. Maybe we want to, I don't know, uh, hire you as a consultant. What's the best way to connect? Uh, yeah. I mean, you, uh, you can email me, Jody, J O D Y, 
at thefriendlyspot.com. Or you can meet me t- around 10 a.m. at Launch SA, <laughs> uh, Wednesdays, Central Library, City of San Antonio. Beautiful. This has been a great conversation. Jody Bailey Newman, again, thank you so much yep. for taking the time to share your story, to share your knowledge, to share your moral values. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. I love it. Peace. There's another episode in the archive here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Jody Bailey Newman, thank you so much for coming on the show. Such a great chat we had today. And really what stood out to me in today's conversation is this idea of making decisions for the bigger picture. Uh, what I mean by that is you don't, you can't just make business decisions for your business, but you got to make business decisions for your community of businesses, the, the people who are doing business beside you. Get on the same page with them. Communicate with them. Uh, and stop fighting against each other. Start working with each other to educate the public on what it takes to run a business and to, to sustain a business and to take care of your people. Uh, and on that note, taking care of your people, uh, what I love about Jody's story is when, when somebody comes to her uh, who's been good to her and she sees something crazy and um, they get and they get desperate or whatever and they end up stealing uh, instead of just you know attacking this person and uh, I don't even know the words uh, you know humiliating this person and just and proving that you're right and they're wrong instead of doing that maybe just try to understand what's going on in this person's life to make them steal in the first place and if you take that approach of just caring for people and genuinely just knowing letting your people know that you're there for them i feel like most of the time you will come out on top in the long run and uh don't get me wrong like you are taking a chance every once in a while you you will get burnt but really i do believe that over time you will get more uh, loyalty you will get more trust you will get better things that will come from that scenario if you just look to help people out and um I just love that from her story. And then lastly, I just want to take this moment to thank some of the folks that were just so supportive to me in my mission here at Restaurant Unstoppable while in Austin. So today is the last day I, I am leaving Austin today. Uh, I'm going to be heading up to Dallas for a week, Houston for a week, and then making my way back to New Hampshire with some stops. And then going out to Thailand for three months. So the next... A uh, few months for me are going to be uh, a journey, and I cannot wait. But I just want to say thank you to Casey and Marissa uh, for hosting me while in Austin and being so supportive of my mission. Go check out In the Weeds, uh, Casey's project. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's a great community of industry professionals coming together uh, on social platforms. Go check it out. And uh, then also, Anna Tazen, thank you so much, Anna, for uh, getting behind Restaurant Unstoppable, for helping me connect with so many restaurant operators in Dallas, Houston, uh, San Antonio, uh, Austin, everywhere. You're just so supportive and helping me connect pe- with people. And uh, everyone else, you know who you are. Thank you so much for supporting this this mission of inspiring, empowering, and transforming the industry. Cannot do it without my people. All right, that's it. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>